Evening, Mr. Finley. Hey, Mr. Finley. How are you doing, sir? I'm all right. I'm actually um, excited about this episode uh, because it, this episode makes me feel um, the way I did when we first started doing these, which is to say excited about the types of movies you and I considered um, classic. I felt uh, in preparation for this so like at home in the classic movie milieu, if you will, as you and I understand it, because I'm the one who really got us. I mean, we, you and I do interesting things, but I started way back when, like, how about this Egyptian director, Tom? And you yeah, started you, doing. You brought us into an avant garde sense at some point. And, <laughs> and then, then you started doing, which like. Which we struggled with. Yeah. And then you started doing, like, let's put everything in the 70s and no one heard of it. And, like, I think all of those episodes have been fine. Like, good things have mm -hmm. come out of them. But it was like, oh, yeah, this is a return to the real sense of, like, classic movies at your dad's house. I mean, yeah, I could yeah. almost see the Memorex VHS ta tape. You know, just sort of whirling, well, slowly. It wouldn't be whirling because he always recorded on the slow speed um, on that gigantic VCR of his when I was watching each and every one of today's movies. Really? I have. Uh, I actually have never seen two of these movies. So No, nor had I, but it gave me that feeling. I think you and I yeah, probably yeah. seen the same one. And then I think... Um, uh, also, I just really, really like Ingrid Bergman, who was the subject of, of this episode. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. I like her, and I, I find her, um, I, I started trying to categorize on my mind, like, the four or five different Ingrid Bergmans that always make me happy. And, like, one of them is, like, that she's a beautiful, beautiful woman who somehow is also cool with the guys. So much more to it than that. I don't know what it is. And There's then, something about it that's almost magical in a sense. Sometimes she's kind of a hysterical woman, and it's like, I don't know why I... Because, you know, I was watching one of the films where she gets hysterical with my wife, and my wife is famous for making fun of the classic movies I watch for hysterical acting. She, Richard Widmark was her favorite, like, <laughs> like um, target of, like, a, a, a sassy, you know, um, <laughs> melodramatic actor. Um, uh -huh. and, and I was almost daring her to do that because I was not going to put up with it with Miss Ingrid Bergman. And we should have talked mm -hmm. about this earlier, but there's a whole like backstory to, to Ingrid Bergman, like a, a, a sort of weird period in her life. And would you mind right. if we talked about that between the second and third um, uh, films? Sounds good. Let's do it that way. Let's do it that way. Because here's the hey, thing. Just, like, just, I'm sorry, something that you were alluding to, there's this quality that she has. Like, even when she, like, she has a smile that makes me think that she could, like, you know, fix my uh, credit rating. I don't know. Like, she yeah. can smile at me and something in your life just kind of goes, oh, I feel a little better about my life. I don't know how the fuck it happens. She's the only person I think I can say that about. I put her, you know, we have this sort of list of, of you know, women and, it, you know, fuck it, it's sexist. I don't care. Of, like, that we're just kind of in love with classic yeah. movie actresses. <laughs> And, and they, the only variance in, in them once they reach a certain level of attractiveness is, are they also women that I'd like to hang out with? And like, I don't know if Hedy, Hedy Lamar, I know that she's brilliant. That's the other side yeah. of her. I don't know that she's cool. But the closest <laughs> one I think to Ingrid Bergman is probably Clara Bow for me. Like, she just seems like a cool yeah. person, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and the funny thing about it, too, is, you know, uh, again, beautiful, absolutely a stunningly attractive woman. Yeah. Uh, but she's also that one where her face is so, like, interesting you almost forget like the, the the fact that she has a nice figure is almost is very secondary with her yeah 
No, I know her sexual. Her, yeah, her sexuality is not on display. It's it's not on a shelf. Yeah, you know, it's there. It's there. Well, well, for, there's proof. There are receipts, oh, yeah. as people like to say, <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah, all of that is is a hundred percent true. So so. Um, oh, but I was thinking about like you know the and I chose the movies. Thank you for letting mm -hmm. me choose them. In, in some ways, on the surface, on paper, it's like wow, what a miss. These aren't the movies you should be covering. But but they to me they work out perfectly for the way you can talk about her. Now the movies that I think are more obvious perhaps um, are like Gaslight. I love her in Gaslight. That's which, a great movie it's man. Fucking, it's a fantastic movie and talk about melodramatic acting that works out somehow. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love her in Notorious for totally uh, different reasons. I love her in Spellbound even though a friend of ours hates that movie for some reason. Um, really? Okay. Most magically Casablanca of course. Like, right? uh, of course Casablanca for whom the bell tolls. Um, I loved the Inn of the Sixth Happiness for some reason when I was a kid. My <laughs> sister and I loved that one. Indiscreet. She did some great movies when she was older. Hey, like, like I got to say this. I love Golda Meir. Did you hear the woman called Golda? Woman called Golda. It was her last she was like, great. miniseries movie. I thought she was fucking fantastic in that movie. Um, in, in the 60s, she does a, a movie where she has a romance with a much younger Anthony Perkins. Like the age was the big problem there. Wink, wink. Uh, I think it was called like... <laughs> <laughs> Hello again, or something. She was in that movie with Goldie Hawn and Walter Matthau in the late '60s called Cac uh, Cactus Flower. Um, won an Academy Award for Best Supporting in, in uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I mean, she's yep. just she. She actually, you think she has more films than she does have because so mm -hmm. many of them are just golden. And yet, we chose. I chose these three films, and 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 I want to start with the first one. It's 1939, and that one was purely an academic one for me, and I had not seen it either, and it's Intermezzo 1939. Mm -hmm. There's a 1936 version, but this is um, notable yep. because it's her English debut, English-speaking right. debut. Now, the, the 1936 version, correct me if I'm wrong, that was also starring her, but it was it was done in, like, Sweden, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, yep, done in Sweden. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a true thing. So the so uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the, the Zanuck was it Zanuck? Yeah. Uh, decided to uh, bring him over, bring her over to America, and yeah. you know redo the movie with her in the same part. Was Zanuck the one also that that uh, that Hedy Lamarr um, kind of tricked into? He had an eye for the ladies at Zanuck, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so she's actually um, she's got one of those billings that's like. I get Did you hear that? Yeah, did you pull my finger next to anybody? <laughs> my door's open. That, by the way, I should let you know, is a bicycle that someone attached a little motor to. <laughs> and a middle-aged man is riding up and down the street. If you're a middle-aged man in Fresno <laughs> and you have one of those bikes, does that come with a vial of methamphetamine as well? I guess so. It definitely means it's you've got, got a DUI. Three DUIs. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, so it's 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 notable because it's like, uh, by all rights, she, she should have second billing or maybe third after the wife, technically, because the wife was a was a... A, a, more established at that time in America, but it, it's mm -hmm. one of those things where it's like six people in the credits, and then and introducing and in much bigger letters, you know, in her English debut, Miss Ingrid Bergman. But the the other star is Leslie Howard, right? Uh, That's go ahead. Okay, go on. Well, the thing about this, uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. I like Leslie Howard, but I think mostly I like Leslie Howard because of the Petrified Forest. Um, yeah. I like, you know, he's, he's notable in a few other things. Um, he, he was a good guy to know in Hollywood in the 1930s. Um, big friends with Humphrey Bogart. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was in God. He was actually, I believe, in Gone with the Wind. Right. Um, and then he he did a movie called Spitfire. I think about Spitfires. And then mm-hmm. was um, killed by a Spitfire. <laughs> His plane went down in 1943. Uh-huh. Um, so he's I, one of those guys. Like now, first of now, correct me if I'm wrong on this one too. But uh, I think he was Gone with the Wind was in filming when this was being filmed as well. That makes sense to me. I mean, because Gone with the Wind, yeah. they both came out in 39. But Gone with the Wind was like changed directors had it was a long process it's so funny watching this movie it's uh okay love the movie we'll talk about that later but it's so interesting watching his acting and her acting and the difference there's like this there's this quality of like (laughs) like british acting that went on at that point yeah uh that was him and his wife in this movie we're like into like lacy collars like i don't know it just is yes father Raleigh it is like it's really in that it's in that ballpark of a very particular kind of acting and even talking yeah well let's see let's see um Howard acts as if he's reading John Keats at all times (laughs) and and that's where I actually I I I too enjoyed this movie but for but in in ways I thought it didn't work and and but the movie worked and I and I'm not blaming anyone but but here's the difference If, if you go back three years earlier to Petrified Forest, he is, I guess you could say, um, uh, the romantic um, uh, opposite of Betty Davis, right? Yep. And, and the reason that, that works, that, that, that it's an unrequited love, because he dies in the end, but it's definitely a love, there's a romance there, but the thing is, it's an academic romance. He is, always comes off as an academic, and in the Petrified Forest, that totally works, because Gabby, as played by by Betty Davis, she has to get out of this goddamn town in Arizona, and so like there, it works. But in this, and also the conceit of his character is that he's a man being destroyed by the by his academic, like by by that personality trait. So. The problem with him being an essentially an <laughs> academic musician, a, 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 a virtuoso violinist in intermezzo, and and Ingrid Bergman is the um, the piano teacher for his child, but also kind of a virtuoso piano player is that um, the academic thing isn't there. And so now I have to, as I'm watching it at first, I have to contend with the idea that there would be heat between Ingrid Bergman and Leslie Howard, and that is impossible. Yeah. Leslie, uh, um, Ingrid Bergman... she's like a real person, right? <laughs> well, she's also like, she has like like she, a, a real um, sexual energy about her. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's she and Grace Kelly had sexual energy about them. And I think it's one of the rare cases where it's because they were super sexual people. Right. And more to the point, like they were super sexual, super confident, and they didn't, you know, it, it wasn't something they wore on their sleeve, but it was there and oh, they knew it. And smoldering. Yeah, 100%. So now, to me, what makes this work, and I'm just jumping ahead, and we can go back over the film, to say the film is essentially about how even though he's married, they become an item. They, they try to mm-hmm. make their own romance work. And so that, right. what, what, what ended up working about, me, about it for the film is that, is that the director decides that he's just going to use the playing of music to be a t- 100% stand-in as a metaphor for their sexuality. And you know what? It kind of works on that level. On that level, yeah. She is. Sure. Or, she plays that piano orgasmically, and he does yeah, his best to it. keep his his violin up as often as possible. <laughs> it is. It, it does get kind of hot, despite Leslie Howard being not a very good match for her in the sexuality department. Yeah, and and much much older. Not that that's always a problem, but but you, you can look at like the pockets under his eyes and know that. 
Oh, yeah. Well, age is an interesting thing. We've talked about that before with like William Holden and Picnic and et cetera. And it's like, you know, there are times when it's like you can look away a little bit and make it work. And I think Picnic's one of them. And and um, and you can make it work more when the when the man is older because we just have that kind of society that just happens more often so you're used to it. Rape culture, Joe. Rape culture. Yeah, I guess so. And but then there are times when you can't. That's not the case. I think you're right. In this case, it, it sort of works. You sort of believe it. But but the conflict is really. Do you want to talk about what the, what the conflict of the film is initially? They, they don't they don't just fall in love and he leaves his wife. He sent he sent out on tour and then um, he asked her to be his accompanist and she initially yeah says, yeah well so she yeah so she says no right but he's in love with her uh, and uh, he, so he pursues her and then basically tells his wife leaves his wife and they they you know they're touring uh, they're touring the world but there's this initial like attraction that goes on based on the fact that they're both you know very talented musicians who happen to have. Like like an absurd Keatsian approach to to their love of music gets yeah, a little weird. Well, it's not even that straightforward either because the the wife does see something between them. There's a scene where where initially uh, um, Ingrid Bergman plays the piano at like some sort of party or something, and then the poor wife is sitting there like a Dvorak cuck while her husband <laughs> and and this woman are like are masturbatorily playing music toward one another. So she sees it. And there's almost this one point where, like, I see it, right? Okay, so you and I, you know, I'm watching the movie. I see that right there. And then the wife starts acting like she, like, like boom, like she's got, she's got, like, an ESP sense on this thing. So much so that I started thinking, did I miss, like, a fucking scene in this movie where they ESP? What are you talking about? Did you see the scene where they were playing together? It was like... Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. subtle, man. I mean, yeah, the wife, there were close-ups of the wife, and I, I felt uncomfortable. Like the, you know, it was like when Bradley Cooper. Do you, do you remember the big uh, scuttlebutt a year or two ago when Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga performed on stage, and no. and they did this sort of like they ended almost like in this crazy embrace on the piano, as if they were unaware for a minute that the cameras were there, and then a shot to his poor girlfriend who's sitting there like yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was the talk of the town for a little while. That's how I felt. Anyway, so so that's it, there. It's, it's like what's it's like what's your name uh, singing uh, "Happy Birthday, Mr. President," right? Right. Oh yes, Ooh. exactly. It's got Ooh. that flavor about it. And so so the so Ingrid Bergman does not want to go. She's also at the same time gonna, she wants no part of this. She's going to quit being the the kids' teacher. Um, but then. Uh, um, she's sort of lured off on tour with them in Europe. And meanwhile, the, the daughter has a special relationship with the father, and that becomes important later on because the daughter sort of idolizes the father and wants to be just like him and also idolizes the teacher. There's some scenes in this movie that, taken out of context, are borderline creepy relative to that. But no, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's a little too interested in other people's daughters on a couple of occasions. But it's but but it's natural because I got to say this. That's actually something I want to talk about. This kid, uh, the the kid who plays the child who plays his daughter. Yeah. In fact, the the child who plays the other little girls in the movie. Yeah. Pretty. They were pretty good. I'm not a fan of child actors as a robot. These kids actually really pulled it off. They were good, but I, I know what you mean. I, I had a um, I thought about Nabokov and Lolita in especially with the second instance, and there was something about. And I, I think we were just more innocent then. We could have a sense of like. Um, this father who who really relates on this sort of like, I don't know, intimate level with his and the right. daughter and this other. And I think it was just the way it was. Um, had they seen M eight years yeah. earlier, him, him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so it, it's, it's. I think they'd seen M. They just didn't assume every man was that, right? You know what this story does? It's a short movie. It's like seventy minutes long. What this movie does, I think, in terms of the good direction, in terms of um, Ingrid Bergman's performance. 
Um, and the writing in general, what it does is it, it for men, I guess I would say, for heterosexual men, it reminds you of the person you've, you've really kind of been half in love with and know that you shouldn't be. And not, not that Ingrid Bergman's like the bad girl or anything, but it's just like this is doomed, and yet he desperately wants, at the cost of his family, it looks right. like. And that, that's kind of like, ooh, we see a penalty for that. Um, right. And then, you know, it ends in a way, I don't want to give away the ending. Let's just not give away the ending. But I will say this. It ends in a way that was remarkably didn't tie things up. I yeah. thought it was going to tie things up. It kind of half tied things up. And, and yeah. I, I, to me, I kind of like that, the, un, the, the unclosed lid on the box in a way. You know, it's interesting because it sort of skirted like this little area, of, uh, this, this, this little zone between uh, a very cliche sort of an ending. Yeah. And as you pointed out, not quite like we didn't see the conversation that you knew was going to happen at some point there that had to happen. Yes, and then right. what we didn't get was part two, which is the decades of that wife nagging him for what he had oh, done yes, now that absolutely. he was back. <laughs> just, just see you, Leslie Howard's feet like swinging <laughs> from a chandelier <laughs> five years from then. I looked up uh, the, the woman who plays his wife, and I didn't write it down. Um, this was her biggest role, essentially. She was in something else I, I, I'd heard of, but um, she never really made it. And to be honest with you, much like the banker's wife in The Petrified Forest, who's a different actress, I think it's because... Leslie Howard was the only person I, I, I ever knew who could get away with the John Keats um, um, delivery of lines. She did the same thing. It just was kind of too, maybe something about the floutish high female voice, but no, I, no, I can't. I can't bear it. It's like, oh, like Glenda the Good Witch, you know? Something about it didn't quite sit right. But I do give this, this movie a thumbs up. Um, especially it's a good movie. It's, so it's short. fine. It's yeah. totally fine. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good uh, entertaining flick. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're a fan of uh, Ingrid Bergman, uh, if you just want to see her be charming and shit, watch this movie. Now, look. She's never more. I don't think she's more charming. And I don't know. In all well, these goddamn movies. Mm, yeah, shutting go. up. I'm shutting up. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Let's go to about. 1945. I'm, I'm smitten with this woman. <laughs> let's go to 1945. The Bells of St. Mary, which again is kind of an odd pick because it's half her movie, half Ben Crosby's movie. Um, this is the movie, by the way, uh, trivia fans, when Michael and Kay were leaving Radio City Music Hall and Kay uh, first learns that Vito Colleone has been shot by looking at a newspaper in the newsstand, they're talking about Ingrid Bergman's sexuality in this movie. Mm. Uh, right, right. Mm -hmm. I can say this movie is interesting. I, I, this is a movie that I should hate, um, mm -hmm. honestly. I really should, but except the fact that the two leads are stupidly, they're just so good. They're so charming. Uh, they They're so are. wonderful to watch, singly and together, yeah. that it makes up for all the other stuff. One of them's a little on autopilot, so I don't give him as much credit, and that's, of course, Bing Crosby, who somehow managed to charm us through uh, all the movies of his life while being, apparently, one of the worst human beings on Earth. Right, right. According yeah, to all accounts, and even Bob Hope, I mean, sort of intimated that later on. But, but yeah, this is actually a sequel. Mm -hmm. and, uh, is it Father O'Flaherty? Father O'Malley. O'Malley. Father, Father O'Shitam Irish. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say this is an Irish Catholic uh, just reach around. Is, is, is what it really is. Well, so, you know who you get to play the nun, then? Ingrid Bergman. Fuck yes. <laughs> they had to write in, a, I don't know if you know, caught that, where it's like, where did you go to school? Initially, Sweden. And it's like, okay, yes. that's why you have that accent. We'll give it to yeah. you. That's fine. By the mm. way, that's another thing about her. She doesn't particularly have a Swedish accent. She has a half-lost Swedish accent and a half-picked-up 
you know, English accent. So it's kind of well, cool. To that, to that point, I think it's interesting because I, I, it's one of those, she said Sweden, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's Swedish. And at that point, I can sort of spot it a little bit. But there's a there's a part uh, where she actually uh, speaks in uh, in Swedish and she goes, yeah, yeah, okay, here, here, okay. Yeah. And then Just she put like on, the goddamn chef. She put a chef's hat on. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yarny, yarny. So. Uh, but no, it, it's, if I'm listening to it with that kind of an ear, then I can sort of hear it. But yeah, she's not, she's not, she's not overdone. This is a movie that, that should be as bad as Boys Town, but somehow manages not to. And I think mm-hmm. I think the reason I think it would have been had it just been Bing Crosby. I've never seen the, 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 the one mm-hmm. before that's going my way. I can only imagine it is kind of Boys Town bad. In that right. sense, because the truth of the matter is, what they do nicely here is they don't focus too much on the kids. Yeah, they they focus on the kids an appropriate amount. There's a weird, mm-hmm. weird story with a girl whose mom is clearly a prostitute because the father has left <laughs> the mother, yes. and so the girl sends this kid to. I mean, the mother sends this kid to to the the Catholic school. Um, and the kid starts to improve until the father comes back in town, and then everyone in the movie makes this huge effort to make this kid understand what an idiot she is for not being happy now that the family is together again. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, so in the meantime, uh, in the meantime, they managed to uh, I, I bring every sort of ethical concern relative to a school. Uh, they, they make that problematic relative to this little girl here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Bing Crosby's basically trying to pressure the... Uh, uh, pressure um, uh, Ingrid's character into passing her, despite the fact that she didn't pass a, a test. Yeah, I which mean, we're you and I are old enough to appreciate that. Well, here's the thing, Dom. I would like to show uh, my colleagues this movie because what Bing Crosby is trying to do is precisely what has become policy now. Shit. <laughs> That's the policy. Anyway, um, I, I uh, sort of a side note. I tried to watch with my wife Rocket Man the other day, and I made it like precisely 16 seconds into one. It is a nightmare of people getting up and pianos sliding underneath them and like that's not Elton John, but but just sort of like I, I actually uh, watched uh, I, my my roommate uh, rented Hamilton last night. See, I'm not a fan of musicals, but Hamilton actually seemed interesting to me, at least, because it's talking about interesting things. I I felt that way, too, until, like, I realized that all the dialogue was wrapped. Not just the music. (sighs) Yeah, I know. I'm not a fan of that either, like like Jay-Z showing up on the soundtrack of um, uh, The Great Gatsby kind of bothered me, too. But the thing is, let's talk about that for a second. We'll go back to Ingrid Bergman. What precisely is the problem? What is the problem with that? Because I, I had it before. I'm not. I'm not accusing you. But like, what precise? What is our problem with with someone bringing out of context ideas, like uh, out of context music, into a movie, like rap in Hamilton or Jay Z in The Great Gatsby? Well, okay. So nothing like. Uh, so not as problematic. I saw. Uh, I saw a live. Uh, uh, musical called in the heights i think it was okay. uh which is very ra- very hip-hop sort of centric uh musical i had no problem with that because because i'm talking about like you know like they'll do like they'll have scenes and then they'll be talking and then there'll be a musical number I, i'm okay with that mostly in musicals but in this particular one like all the dialogue that was happening in those scenes between the musical numbers was wrapped and rhymed, and it just it, it just jarred on my ear. It's just like it very quickly became annoying for me. Okay, yeah. You know, my, my roommate liked it, and and apparently, and everybody loves this movie. 
I'm, so I, by I the way, this just, play. just to let you know, and I'll, I'll adjust it. I potted you down because you, you started leaning in and screaming. You were so excited about your uh, <laughs> what you had to say. Oh no, I think I potted myself down. <laughs> yes, sweet yes. technological revenge. Well played, sir. Uh, I did. I uh, damn it. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, I guess that that's relevant here because. Um, I, I liked Bing Crosby in this, but a couple of times mm -hmm. someone would say, like, well, there's a problem. What do you mean? You want this illusion there? It's like, what the f It's just awful. Right. Like, why did I mean, he We hired Bing Crosby. He's got to sing a few songs. Fuck. Let's do it. Well, I would say even Robin Williams had the foresight to know when he when he did. I think he, I was always a fan of Robin Williams as a, as a dramatic actor more than yeah, as, right. as a comic actor. That's just Much me. More. That's just me. But 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 he had the, the foresight to know that during a dramatic role, you don't just pop into his like you know stream of consciousness, wazoo wazoo, like in the middle of it. You know, right. you got to choose a fucking lane. And Bing Crosby, I thought, did pretty well as an actor. Can do well mm -hmm. as an actor. I like. You know yeah. what though? I'm full of shit because I do like High Society. Yeah, no, like I said, like he's just like affable and lovable, and there's something about that. She's carrying this movie by herself, really, in a in a very larger sense. Wait. But there's, there's so little movie to carry. It's just like watching her. Like I said, it really is kind of watching the two of them be charming, more or less, in different screens. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the, the, like she's teaching one of the boys there how to box. I mean, that was just oh, like an adorable, that was very <laughs> an adorable scene. Overlooking the fact that why the fuck would a like a nun be teaching that to somebody? That because she took it on. Completely against the whole thing. Because she took it on, and and she was like, it's the big problem with the Catholic Church for many many years in in relationship to Protestantism was that they cloistered themselves. There was no sense of real community and doing right. real mm -hmm. stuff. When I was a kid, we had a priest at our fucking uh, a church who um, got kicked out after a year. Because he would do things like go down to the, the beach, the river, in jean shorts with a miller and just talk to people. And they're like, this will not do. They got rid of him. But they're idiots. Like you said earlier, this is like a, this, this movie is basically, like I said, it's a Catholic sort of a circle jerk. And at the same time, it has that, quali it has that same thing that movies like this, yeah. which is like if Catholic priests and nuns were like this, yeah. we have a better world. Oh, no question about it. And you're saying with, with the molestation, but more of this also, you're saying. Yeah, like a, absolutely. Column A and column B. Is all you're like in for. new buildings that were donated by well, that's a, re industrialists. That, so that's the other part. The guy, and I never remember his name, but he's everyone knows him as Clarence the Angel Clarence. on It's a Wonderful that's Life. All you need to know. Um, plays the sort of the meanie. This is the year before the Wonderful Life. He plays the meanie um, industrialist. He um, they had the, apparently the 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 school had to sell the land next door a year before to keep the uh, the school going and in repair. And he took advantage of it. And it's like, no, oh, that's oh, how do we how do we basically get this guy to sort of to melt his you know heathen heart and and donate the, the thing back, which eventually he does apparently by 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 almost breaking him spiritually immensely. <laughs> Yeah, I know. There's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense. To me, it's the it's it's the lesser of of the three films for sure. But but I actually I liked it a lot more than I thought I would, and I think it's because I, I, you hit it right on the button. Bing and Ingrid have a, an interesting chemistry. Yeah, yeah, and and she also does that thing where it's like she of all the the Ingrid Bergman's I mentioned, like the one that's kind of melodramatic and crazy, the one that he's kind of like. A woman who's hot, but you, you, she's kind of like a cool person to hang around with too. Mm -hmm. um, the one who's sort of um, uh, uh, angry. She does a little bit of all of them. She does a little tap dance through all the Ingrid Bergmans that she is, and mm -hmm. it's like it's like a, a little sampler platter, and I like it. 
And I gotta be honest, I can think of like maybe three women in like the history of Hollywood who could make a wimple. Like those wimples. I don't know what a wimple is. What's a wimple? That's that that head thing, that big whole head uh, headgear thing that moon nuns wear. Classically, why they kind of look like penguins for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you just just like I said, like she's 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 got a better face. She's got a face that makes you forget like all the other qualities about her. So. I know, just, but it was really kind of interesting <laughs> That's to watch. That's such a weird way to put it, but I, I understand what you meant. Yeah, I, I masturbated to it. <laughs> okay. And I will later as well. By so. the way, I, I'm just remembering that after she died after A Woman Called Golda came out, and she died of cancer in 1982, I want to say. And I remember that at the time, everyone in our family was excited because your dad had um, a, a little mention published in the San Francisco Chronicle which he very cleverly titled as Time Goes By and then ended it by saying, we'll, we'll go to appreciate her more, Miss, Big, Miss Ingrid Bergman more, as time goes by. It was really cute. Your dad, like, wrote into the, the chronicle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so now... Uh, he was very proud of that fact. We, yeah, I thought it was, he uh, should be. It was really how, cool. How little sense, to anybody who might be young listening to this, how little sense did any of that make? Well, because, yeah, it's like, he, yeah, he wrote something and everyone got to see it. Yeah, you're used to that, but imagine that, I mean, let's just fucking, oh, never mind. Imagine, kids. Imagine. My yeah, dad yeah. went briefly viral. Yeah, he had to send in, probably handwritten, because he didn't have a typewriter, um, something about her to the Chronicle, and then they read it and then retyped it and put it in the newspaper for people to pick up. Extra, extra. <laughs> so this is a good time to stop before we talk about the third film, unless you have more to say about... Um, um, Enjoyable. It's not. I mean, it's as far as like a way to spend two hours. It's not bad. I liked it. I like. I give it a three out of four stars. It's a solid, good movie. The Bells of Saint Mary's, nineteen forty-five. Yeoman Yeoman movie. All right. So we have now. Here's why um, I think it's interesting that the that I chose these three films um, because it actually happened to work out better than any of the other choices accidentally. Because think about Mm -hmm. this: in the first film, she plays this woman we like who who goes off and has an affair. With mm-hmm. with his music teacher in the second film, this the second film, Bells of St Mary's, and also three years later, Joan of Arc, um, for which I think she either got or was nominated for the Academy Award. I think she was nominated. nominated. I think yeah. she won for that. No, you're right. The Bells of St Mary's and and Joan of Arc were the two things mentioned when, in the early 1950s, a big scandal happened with Ingrid Bergman. And the big scandal mm-hmm. was she wrote a letter to uh, Roberto Rossellini. Um, and it's pronounced precisely that way um, because she. It's a Chef So she wrote a, a letter um, basically as a fan saying, I love your uh, Italian movies and mm-hmm. I would love to be in one. And he took her up on it. So she goes over. She's married. She has one daughter, I think, at the time. She's married. She goes over to Italy and then not only has this torrid affair with him, and she had affairs, I think, with people like, I want to say Gary Cooper, a few, uh, a few other people, but, but this one resulted in a pregnancy. And I don't think it's Isabella Rossellini. Or is it? And a divorce, too. He, he divorced his wife. Well, the, well, no, I'm just saying that she got pregnant, and I want to say who, who it's with because um, 
I don't think it's uh, Isabella, the, the famous offspring we know. But anyway, um, yeah, the guy divorces her, and, and and but worse than that, and and by the way, she did sort of abandon her daughter to ha to have this mm -hmm. whole thing, and it's like, you know, there are things to sort of question her about, but the but fucking America, you know, in the midst of you know also going on with the the Red Scare, not related, but just our mindset at the time, big dummies. Um, were just unforgiving, and they started making references like, "How could the woman from Bells of Saint Mary's? And, oh, the Virgin and the Joan of Arc! How could she?" Did you see her first movie? Uh, <laughs> yeah, her first English speaking movie. <laughs> yeah, so she, I mean, in, a, in essence, I mean, I, I can't tell you the length of time you can probably come up with that, but like for 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 a period of time, she was like persona, you know, persona oh gratin, non gratin, sir, non yeah. Little potato head. On Grada in uh, in Hollywood, she couldn't get she couldn't get hired to make movies. Yeah. Oh, no question. So she just stayed over and did Roberto Rossellini films. He's a guy who would put her in movies oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've 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 watched uh, portions of some of them, and they don't they not they don't seem that good to me. It seemed like she didn't. Really I've never get... seen. I, I don't know that I've ever seen. We should probably do that at some point. We got to watch Stromboli. Just the great director. Roberto Rossellini could not quite get out of um, her what other directors like Michael Curtiz could, for instance. But nobody yeah, got into her. Oh yeah. So, the, so, <laughs> uh, so welcome to twelve-year-olds so, on parade. All of that was really unfair, ridiculous. And then there's this sort of thing where she has this triumphant return to America, and it's in the, the third film we're talking about, which is 1956's Anastasia. Anastasia, if you're an American. Yeah, and it's. Um, um, it's not that stupid cartoon. No, I know because I went to go find it. And that's the first thing that popped up. I had to go around different Ugh. methods to kind of find it. But, mm. but I mean, it, we can talk about that film in a second. But I think it's also like she won the Academy Award for this one. This was her second Academy Award. Gaslight, I guess, was her first. But it's like, uh -huh. yeah, she, she maybe she deserved it. Um, I, I good that America welcomed her back. But it, it also sort of like America welcoming her back just sort of doubles down on the fact that they rejected her to begin with. Like, oh, thank you. Uh, Ingrid well, Bergman, that slouch American. actress, you're you're willing to sort of let her back, are you? Yeah, um, uh, 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 to his credit, um, Steve Allen, who I never really liked for numerous reasons, Steve Allen um, had her on the show when she was in exile, and he was like, uh -huh. we, we can't... I can't go through judging everyone's personal life in terms of whether I'm going to hand her on. And good for him, because Ed Sullivan would not have her on. Dick face. Dishbag. Cock knuckle. Blockhead. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, Snap a face. The, the film um, uh, really focuses on, like, this, this uh, mythology of, like, you know, uh, Tom, you're better at talking about the Romanoff really thing, right? Based on a, it's really loosely based on, a, on, a, uh, on an actual event. Like well, this, yeah. uh, this Russian uh, sort of con man uh, found this, um, wait, this. Wait, 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 Tom, Tom, can I just say this? Because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a half history guy and you're a full history guy. I can tell what you're going to do. You're going to skip over parts that people really need to know for context. That's up. Talk about like like the revolution and the Romanov family being exiled. Uh, Jesus, all right. People okay, don't so know. I guarantee Russia you. Russia used to be run by that. a crazy uh, by a crazy oligarch. Oh wait, not like now. Uh, no, they had uh, they had the czar, and uh, 1917 revolution came along. Soviets, uh, the, the the Russian revolution, the Soviets took over. Uh, the czar was at first internally exiled, and then uh, basically assassinated along with all of his family in a basement. 
They called them down, I, I believe, to say they were going to take a photograph or something. And so they were all sitting there in photograph mode, I want to say. Like, photograph or we need you to wait here because we've got transportation for you. Because the uh, because at that point, the reactionary forces in Russia were, were approaching where they were being. And then so they locked. There was a civil war going on in Russia. They locked the door. And then when they came back to the door, they knocked and they said, Candy Graham. Yeah. Candy Graham. And guess what? It wasn't a candy gram. But the idea it was, was a bullet gram. The idea was always them. that somehow, which is ridiculous, one, one of them, them escaped. Survived. And like, how did they escape the lime pits out in the forest? I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous notion in a way. But but this yeah. would be the air that would be still living, and, and so the, hence the premise of the film with you. Right. So the premise of the film is that uh, is uh, and there were, there were many uh, different people who sort of came along, but there was the myth that Anastasia, the daughter, uh, the youngest daughter of the czar. Uh, had uh, had survived, had uh, been uh, I, I, like dating or, uh, on the sly one of the guards, and he had helped her escape. Her and then she, she, there's all kinds of theories about how it maybe went down, but the, but the the end of it was that she had uh, she had survived and sort of escaped to the, to Western Europe, um, where um, the uh, very considerable fortunes were to be had in being a Russian tsarina. If she were, could, if she could be authenticated person. and identified, right. Yeah, because because a lot of people like like her uh, grandmother, for instance, was still alive, and that's that's sort of the gist of what's going on here. Uh, the grandmother was still alive, and there was a shit ton of uh, of that uh, that Russian wealth that uh, the, the old kings of Russia had uh, in other investments. And so the idea of being so the idea of the movie essentially is, um, and like I said, there, this is based loosely on a tr on a uh, true story about a particular. Uh, just a little hard to judge, just a little, uh, about a particular uh, scam artist who got a hold of a, a woman who resembled Anastasia. It had been like a 10-year gap or something like that. Yeah, um, precisely and, 10 and, years. Uh, at, at a mental institution uh, and then tried to coach her to, to represent herself uh, to the Romanov family. Uh, the Tsar's family, uh, to get at that money. Get, at the, get up in that money, bro. Yeah, Making so, money on top of our money. I mean, it's not as unbelievable as you think. I think the emperor of China actually went through re-education camps and then came out as kind of a wandering person of the streets uh, eventually. Well, yeah, that's the thing to think about. Like those early 20th century revolutions, like the, uh, the, uh, the Kaiser of Germany. Like all of these people went somewhere after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, so, so she played. She, so, Yul Brenner, by the way, I forgot how great. And by the way, I'm going to oh, nominate Yul Brenner as the most manly man ever. He's never talked about, but I can't think of a more manly man than Yul Brenner. He kind of pulls it off. Yeah, no, absolutely. He I mean, there's, there's always going to be Robert Mitchum, of course. I mean, he's up there as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, Yul Brenner. Such a great, it's a, and charismatic. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. He, uh, so he, like super charismatic, super forceful. He's kind of he's kind of like a full package. Man. He is charismatic, as Tom says, but also. Um, he did that ad when we were in high school for, um, by the time you see this, I'll be dead from cigarettes. Because he smoked yes. like six packs of He and Rod Serling smoked like six packs of cigarettes, not between them, a day. Mm -hmm. um, but he was just such a goddamn manly man, Tommy. Go, go listen to, uh, go listen to uh, Bill Hicks talk about him and uh, Jim Fix. Great obscure reference. Um, Yul Brenner um, it plays the general, right? Who, who's who's masterminding the whole operation, which is essentially, as you say, kind of a, a scam, or you know, could be a scam. And right, right. It's, it's totally, uh, yeah. We mean, no, absolutely a scam. The guy, the guy, had, the guy had been had been basically after the the Russian Civil War had died down. He went on to be the, the guy he's based on went on to become like a big sort of a con man. 
going after uh, Russian immigrants. So one of the things about this film I noticed or I thought about was how much it, once that's all established, it just sort of takes on the queen or lady for a day or Pygmalion or one of those versions that we love to do in films, which is like, or pretty woman. Can, can we dress the homeless looking Ingrid Bergman up um, to sort of pass muster here as the the exiled and then lost Anastasia. Um, I was fascinated by the fact that that goes both ways. So if you look at Roman Holiday, it's almost the other direction, in a sense. Wait, Roman Holiday is the other direction? How so? Yeah. Well, she's a princess. Oh, she's got trying it. To, she passes yeah. off as a normal person. Understood. Understood. But there's no project there in that one. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so this film just reminded And then I got kind of relaxed into it because I, it had the same cinematography as, as like Pocket Full of Miracles. It mm-hmm. has that like, like mid-50s, early 60s indulgence, maybe mid-60s actually, indulgence in dialogue. Like, it just, like, this is a movie where people talked. Like, it had a story, but people actually talked. And the whole thing was kind of moved by an idea and people accepting an idea or not accepting an idea. Now, Mm -hmm. because it's 1956, there's much too much um, uh, exposition. I don't know what to do about that because I was serious when I asked you to give a little bit of the the Russian history in the idea that 75% of any given audience, sorry, I don't mean to insult Uh our our family, will not know about about who was Nicholas, who was the czar. Um, And so it's understandable why they were giving so much exposition. But to me, that was the weakest part if there was one of the film. But I I really enjoyed this film and I really enjoyed the film that the, the fact that this film, like our first film, did not try to wrap it up in a bow. In fact, when it ended suddenly... I'd mm-hmm. forgotten because I hadn't seen it. You're just like, what the fuck? It just sort of ended suddenly with no real explanation, <laughs> almost as if they, they ran out of time. Right. Well, and I have to, say, I have to point out, like, as uh, I think the writing is very, is good in this movie, good dialogue. But in a sense, this also share, has that, that thing I was talking about with the uh, second movie, uh, which is that it's in the poles of the movie are two very charming, uh, charismatic actors like bouncing off of each other. What I don't like is the intimation that the that the Russian general is kind of has somehow fallen in love with, with her. That that also I didn't care yeah, the, for. The, the love story almost doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But but this, it really does despite that, I am not unhappy with her getting the Academy Award for this and not as some mm-hmm. sort of stupid consolation welcome back prize, but on its own merits. And I would say that despite the the weaknesses I pointed out, I would definitely say it's like a it's a B plus movie. It's an it's an eight out of ten movie. Yeah, I mean, out of four stars, what, three and a half, easily. Out of six stars, I would give it 5.25. Out of 23 stars, I would give it rubber chicken. All right, arbitrary. Uh, but I think it's really, I think, I, think I'm, I agree with you. I think it's a good movie. Um, I'm not ashamed that she got it. It's not, It's it, yeah, consolation prize Oscar, but definitely not, not de- decidedly one of the more... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, our, our our listeners can't listen to it, but uh, through our Zoom uh, through our Zoom connection, Joseph was trying to make me chuckle huh, kind with of antics. Sorry, Tom. What you got? Your antics are not they're very unprofessional. Well, talk. I like what you said that you're not ashamed that she got the award. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I am ashamed that I'm talking to you, you bastard. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, it's one of those, every once in a while somebody would like get an Oscar that you're kind of like, ah, fuck, why that movie? Oh, all the um, time. This is, 
yeah, in this case, yeah, okay, yeah, I go with you on the that. The 50s are famous for that. Around the world in 80 days, GG. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, how about the uh, the greatest show on earth? Some a film that you and I have talked about before. The 50s were rife with fucking injustices in this area, mm-hmm. but not in terms of this film. I mean, um, no, it's no Forrest Gump, but I liked Forrest Gump. I think that that's a much maligned film, and for no reason. I do too, but it, but it did beat out. Was it the color purple? I think it was. No, no, that you're about eight years off with those. But something else. Uh, that's entirely possible. I'm really not. It beat out. Really pul- it beat out Pulp Fiction. Well, oh, okay, that's, that's actually worse. That might be worse. I agree with you. But anyway, anyway, back to uh, this. Anyway, it just reminded me of something I knew going into this, which is like, I really love Ingrid Bergman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you have to do the ridiculous thing, but in a way we do have to, uh, of separating like the genders, like, you know, favorite uh, classic actors and then favorite classic actresses. Let's do that. Does she make your top five of uh, best or favorite uh, classic actresses? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Top three. Yeah, she would totally be top three, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top one. I don't one. know about top one because I don't <laughs> know if I can answer that properly. But I would say absolutely in the top five, certainly, and, and the top three as well. I'd have to sit back and think. About top two and a half for me, for sure. All right. Anything else about this film? Um, I thought it was. I thought it's an excellent film. And of the three, I think it was the best. It was the best movie. Would you agree? Oh, it definitely is the best of the three. For I mean, not just because it had a higher budget, but because I think it, the writing was a little better. Yeah, but uh, but that can't be overlooked. The the mm-hmm. fact that it's it's the high production and, and higher concept. You go in going, ooh, Romanov history. You know, you're not going to do that with the Bells of St. Mary's or even Intermezzo as as hard as well, it tries. I, don't know that I would. I don't know about anybody else. Like, ooh, Romanov history. With my dick out. Let's or go. Intermezzo, where Leslie Howard is the sexiest violinist since Isak Perlman. I mean, uh, I don't know what's what's going on there. But um, Isak Perlman has more sexuality dripping off him, and that's probably just he was. By the way, Isak. Perlman was a Tuesday night poker buddy um, in a group that um, uh, consisted uh, or included uh, Frank Sinatra. Oscar Madison and who? <laughs> Marie the Cop. Um, um, Frank Sinatra and Jack Lemmon and Isaac Perlman. Weird. Shut up. Yeah. Really? That's I remember awesome. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, love it. Okay. All righty, buddy. Uh, I will remind Frank, our. Frank, I give you two A's. <laughs> I remind our listeners. That we have over 40 um, uh, Patreon-only episodes. If you want mm-hmm. to become a donor, um, just donate. Just donate some money each month. Let's and do it, dude. Just donate a little money. It doesn't even have to be the minimum. Just donate it. Just get yeah. on there and donate. And for that, Please. you'll have access to 40-plus um, episodes available to you only, uh, all the archive, and then at least two a month. We're actually doing more than two a month now. Um, just because we love it so much, and we love you so much. And in fact, we did one. Did we do one on on a child bride movie? Like a couple we weeks sure ago? did. Holy Christ! <laughs> Was that Jeffrey uh, Epstein esque? Uh, very, very in keeping. That's what you're missing, people. Um, anyway, so um, if you want to give us any sort of feedback, including like things you'd like to hear us do. Uh, please email us at finleysonfilm at gmail.com. And if you could rate and review us on iTunes, man, that helps. And then most of all, I would say this before I turn it over to Tommy. The best thing you can really do is let people know about us on social media and link one of our episodes that you think is great or terrible, whatever. Uh, Tommy? Or I, terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes. I believe you have some stuff. Ah, yeah, come check me out at tomsmithcomedy.com. Ah, go for it, kid. What do you, what do you have to lose? Nothing. 
Are you uh, are you back doing shows on uh, on Zoom? No, I'm fucked now. I can't because of the new work schedule. Oh, I, I kind of am glad for you, to be honest with you. I, I don't want to see you get out of practice, but I've seen a couple of Zoom shows, and they're not set up for you guys. Oh, they're fucking terrible. I yeah. fucking I, I hate them, but at the same time, I I, 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 I want to be in front of people. You know, it's no, the, I understand. the clawing need of my empty soul. <laughs> but it seems like a, 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 we can talk about this off air in a second, but it does seem like a good option would be to, uh, the, some of the outdoor shows I'm hearing about. Ugh, no, outdoor shows would be worse. Then Zoom? No. Yeah. Uh, 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 maybe. No. Mm. From an audience perspective, no. Um, <sighs> but anyway, uh, love you, I'm Tom. Dave Sh- I'm no Dave Chappelle. Uh, okay, you, you can't give me that much material, buddy. Uh, On several levels. Uh, yep. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> All right, uh, love you, Tommy. Catch you later. Pow! Zoom!